Hi, I'm Dr. Akiva Down. And I'm Rabbi Avi Green. And welcome to Interesting Questions. In this podcast, we'll be addressing issues that are philosophical, religious, and psychological in nature, and exploring some of the deeper questions as we go into Season 2. We will be focusing on that which is considered to be controversial, and there may not be a right or wrong answer. So we are hoping that our discussions will yield more questions for your Shabbos table. Welcome back to another wonderful week on Interesting Questions. This week we are up to Perak Aleph of Pirkei Avot, Mishnah Yud Aleph. So the first chapter, Mishnah 11. Avtalion Omer, Avtalion would say, Chachamim, scholars, Hizaru bidivrechem, be careful with your words. Shema tachuvu chovat galut v'tiglu l'makom mayim haraim. Because perhaps you will incur the penalty of exile and you will be exiled to a place where the water is bad. V'yishtu atalmidim, and the students will drink from it. Havaim achrechem, who have come after you, v'yamutu, and they will die. V'nimtza shem shamayim mitchalel, and you will find that the name of heaven will have been desecrated. So this is really a, a lot packed into one Mishnah in many ways, and in other ways, it's different because it focuses on only one item, and that is being careful with your words because it can have dire consequences. And so, Akiva, I'm hoping you can share with us a little bit about the importance of being careful with our words or the consequences that it can have. So before I even get into that, I'm actually going to respectfully disagree a little bit, Avi, because I think there are still three parts to this. I think it's just a different three parts. I think that what this is saying is that your words can have something to do where they affect you. Your words can take out the next generation. And your words can take out everyone and everything. So I think there is still the trifecta here. And yes, it's different because it's talking about the one concept of the words. And it reminds me of, I had a a different supervisor. I know last week I spoke about a supervisor of mine, but I'm going to talk about another one who would always begin with the discussion of how they always make sure to choose their words carefully when they're interviewing a patient. And I believe I've talked about this before. Uh, But every word they say is very specific and very clearly and carefully picked. And that just is so paramount to what this is saying in every way, right? Because it's a supervisor, so therefore it's somebody who is a scholar, who is teaching the next generation, and is making sure that they don't bring down all of medicine by just haphazardly choosing whatever words they feel like. Now, I'm sure that this person, as brilliant as they were, was not necessarily referencing Pirkei Avot. However, I do think that it reminds me also of the concept of if you take one life, you can take out an entire universe. 
Because again, our words are so important. They're so meaningful. And, and, you know, again, I like to reference when I can George Carlin. And I'm going to do that now with, in his entire uh, discussion about the seven dirty, dirty words. And I'm not going to repeat them because that's not appropriate for right now. But what I'm going to say is the fact of he spoke about that. And then later on, he went to talk about euphemisms and how those are also horrific. And he's right, because there are no bad words. There are no wrong words. There are words that are inappropriate for that particular time. And whether you are a psychiatrist, a comedian, a rabbi, an educator, all of the above, your words have meaning. And you should always choose your words carefully because someone else is listening and you are influencing other people. And I think that when it says chachamim, I would argue that the chachamim for sure need to be careful with their words. But if they are chachamim, then they already know to be careful with their words. So really, everyone needs to be careful with their words. And, and I say everyone because not everyone is a scholar in every area, as we've discussed. But whether or not you consider yourself to be a chacham in a particular area, for sure you know you need to be careful with your words, or you should know that you need to be careful with your words all of the time. Because again, someone is always listening. If you are a parent, if you have children who are listening to what you say, they are listening to you, they are watching you, they are learning exactly how you respond, what you do, what you say, how you say it, who you say it to, and generational traditions, let's say, are just that. They are passed down from generation to generation. And they can be a situation where you're sitting at your Pesach Seder and you are looking at your father and saying, what is this? Or this can be a situation where you look at your father and you say, what is this to you? And I would argue that if you're saying, what is this to you? it is probably because the father did not instill that this was for everyone. Words matter, and words can not only take out that individual, but they can take out the next generation and the entire existence of all of us. Avi, back to you. I think you've brought up some excellent points, and at the same time, I think there is a, an important component to recognize that we are all human beings. And that means we make mistakes. And that means that sometimes we say things, whether it is meant to be in jest or in some other manner, that can injure others. And we should take ownership when that happens. Um, and so even rabbis and educators and, and leaders can misspeak. And I don't just mean misspeak as in I said something that was incorrect and now I own up and correct it. I'm talking about even to the point where they are, they have said something that is harmful to another person um, and taking ownership and apologizing for that can be important. Um, and Yet, at the same time, I worry about cancel culture and the idea that 
it seems sometimes that even slight misspeaks, if that's such a thing, um, can be taken as so egregious that people feel that someone should be canceled or someone should be, you know, written off because of something that they have said, as opposed to approaching for clarification, as opposed to asking for an apology. It's almost as if, Avi, that you're suggesting that there's more value in offering education if somebody misspeaks than just saying, that's it, you said something terrible, I'm done with you. I think there are opportunities for education. I think there are also opportunities. There also just need to be opportunities for the person to be to, to be heard and to own up. Um, you know, again, as human beings, we make mistakes and we say things that we thought would be funny or we thought would be said to a, a, a crowd that was, you know, uh, near and dear and would understand the joke, right? Playing a little bit of inside baseball. And then that joke gets out or that comment gets out. And all of a sudden, um, it is taken with great offense. And I think that Again, not to belabor the point, but I think that sometimes there's a, an issue of education that needs to go on, and sometimes there's an issue of explanation that has to go with it, and sometimes there is a need to apologize, even if it's just for the way something was said, even if what you meant is something that you believe in. Avi, you mentioned about the idea of hearing people out and giving them the opportunity to either explain themselves or correct what they said, or we talked about if they were ignorant to a particular topic, giving them the opportunity to learn about it instead of just canceling them. I'm curious, though, because I'm reading the, the language in this, and the very first part almost suggests that, in fact, Avitalion was predicting cancel culture. Is that possible? Is this something that existed in the time of these sages? So historically speaking, it wasn't, I guess you could call it cancel culture. Um, it's called exile. The government doesn't like you, and so they would forcibly move you elsewhere. Yes, I believe that was uh, pre-internet cancel culture. Correct. And so what ends up happening is that these, these rabbis would end up in uh, far-flung places and then their students would follow after them in order to be able to continue studying with them. And the fear was that this could lead to negative consequences. In some cases, we also saw positive consequences. We know that there were teachers who left and went to Bavel and the Bavel community became one of the strongest in the world. In fact, today, if you learn Gemara, most people don't learn the Talmud Yerushalmi, the Jerusalem Talmud. Most people learn Talmud Bavli, the Babylonian Talmud, which was discussed and then written and redacted in Babylonia, um, because that is where the greater of the scholars were at the time when that, those discussions were being held. And so I don't, and, and maybe we're moving into a different topic here, Akiva, but 
I don't necessarily want to suggest that being elsewhere, right? In other words, whether you live in Israel or in the United States or in um, Germany, we have a listener and, uh, and a couple United of other Kingdom. United Kingdom or a couple of other places. So we're not suggesting that any of those places are the place you have to be, right? But rather, Torah learning can happen anywhere. The concern is, of course, if you're being uh, if you're being kicked out by the ruling uh, member, they're probably not sending you someplace very positive. So it brings to mind the Siberia that people were sent to when uh, the Russian government was unhappy with them, perhaps still a place where people are sent if the Russian government is unhappy with them. So as I'm still looking at this further, and uh, you'll forgive me that I've had time to kind of really hone in on some of these ideas, but Avi, I wonder if we should talk at all about the fact of how this may lead into where people have learned things and they learn them from probably not the best groups of people. But the question then comes, do we use that information knowing that it came from a terrible place, but it's useful? Or do we uh, dismiss this because it was learned in such a horrific way? You know, something that I'm thinking of is, unfortunately, the experiments that came about from the Nazi doctors and the Holocaust. There was a lot of medical knowledge that was gained in really horrific, terrible ways that still has, unfortunately, and I say unfortunately for the obvious reasons, the a knowledge base is valuable knowledge. So do we set aside because it was learned in such a horrific way and we don't want to encourage that kind of type of learning? Or do we say that we can't possibly throw away this information because human beings, living human beings, were tortured to get this information and therefore we would be dishonoring them by at least not utilizing what inadvertently and unwillingly they have given as knowledge. So <clears throat> this is not a new question and it is no, not new. Just thought you might have the answer. So I have an answer. I have my answer. And I <clears throat> suggest this from my own perspective completely, which is I actually believe there is a way to honor those people who were part of these experiments, and that is to use the knowledge. From my perspective, knowledge is agnostic, for lack of a better term. It, it Knowledge is not good or bad, it is. The way, you, the way you learned that knowledge can be good or bad, right? So <clears throat> to use a much more simple example, you could learn that a stove is hot because your parent tells you it's hot and they put your hand at an appropriate distance to feel the heat and then take your hand away and say, so you don't want to put your hand there. Or you can learn it by putting your hand down on a hot oven 
and burning yourself. Either way, the idea that the oven is hot, or the stovetop is hot, is an important lesson and important information. The way you learned it may or may not be very good. In this case, going back to your case of information learned during the Holocaust, I would suggest that the information should be used. However, when it is shared, the context for how it was learned must be included as well. Because in that way, we remember and have an opportunity to honor those people who lost their lives as part of this or, or who were injured as part of this. And recognize their sacrifice, recognize their, their, their pain, their victimhood as part of this. Um, and hopefully then use the information for positive means. Um, and that's just my take on it. What about you, Akiva? I tend to agree, agree with you, Avi. I think that, you know, there's horrible ways that we sometimes get information. And I think that it's even more of a tragedy if we throw that information away because then not only has someone been mistreated, been tortured, been put through unimaginable conditions, but then we've also said it's all for nothing. And whether or not the individual who was inflicting this horrific act intended to get something useful out of it or just torture another human being, we can at least say that this person provided something and did something for us that we can at least show them the honor and respect of making their sacrifice not worthless. Uh, but I would like to kind of use this to, to jump into our question for the Shabbos table. I'm not suggesting at all that you have a question about um, information that was gleaned during the Holocaust uh, as your Shabbos table question. If you do have appropriate aged members at your Shabbos table and do think that this is a question worth having, uh, absolutely you would not be the first group to have it, and I think it would be of value. However, I think the more broad and perhaps uh, hopefully more age-generalizing question would be, what's an opportunity to not cancel not turn off, not shut down, but where in your life have you come across an opportunity to educate and correct in a positive way, perhaps when you saw someone not being careful with their words, and to speak out and offer an opportunity for positive change instead of just walking away and saying, I'm canceling you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach us, you can reach us at iqdiscuss at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and responding.